what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, we talk about one author's view on industries for the future and its implications for entrepreneurship. And I want to be on the record as welcoming our future robot overlords. Our main topic today, creating your brand strategy with our guest, Cesar Hernandez, who started his own business, Medium Rare Strategy. And finally, we'll, we'll wind up with our small business of the month recommendations, our feature where we'll highlight some businesses that you should be checking out. Greetings. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host, and I'm the director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how are you doing today? Jeff, doing great. But I can tell you it's a busy time of the year. We're getting near the end of the semester, and people are trying to pull all their courses together and our students. And, of course, you as an advisor for our SkillsUSA uh, entrepreneurship team have to be very proud today. I'm, I'm very proud today. And then for our listeners that don't know what SkillsUSA is, one, you, you've been living SkillsUSA for the last I say the last week, it's been more than that, but tell folks what SkillsUSA is and, and what have you, where have you been this week? Well, SkillsUSA is an international organization. It's got 375,000 students and faculty uh, across the world, but mostly in the United States, and they're working with uh, continuing education for their technical trades, but it's also expanded to all types of business and uh, lots of professional development and community service activities. And then each spring they have a state competition for many different things from business speaking to welding to automotive. And it's for perfect for the community college because uh, we can spotlight the skills of all of our students. And the state conference for North Carolina was this week in Greensboro and we had over 100 students competing in 29 categories and we placed in the top 10 in all of them, and we had 18 state champions. So we're oh. very, very proud. Well, congratulations, because I know that you do a lot of work in coordinating all that, and I had to go, I, I got to go down there a little bit this week, and and uh, you, you were a busy man. I was, I was a little bit worried about your head exploding, it but was, I'm glad it, it worked was all out good okay. when it turned out. And of course, Jeff, you're being modest. Two of your entrepreneurship teams, the high school and the college, won the state championship. So you'll be going to the nationals with them. That means I does that mean I get to ride in a bus to Louisville, Kentucky at some point? In yes, time? it does. That's yeah, that's, or walking. That makes it all worthwhile, you know. <laughs> so that's great. I wanted to start a little bit today uh, as, as sort of an introduction. I'm I'm in the process of reading a book. I'm almost finished it. A book called Industries of the Future by a fellow named Alec Ross, who served as a senior advisor for innovation to Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State, and now he is a fellow at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore. And the book talks about trends and what industries uh, Mr. Ross, through his uh, interviews and research, thinks are going to be very important and significant uh, in, in the coming years and you know provides a little bit of a roadmap for where perhaps uh, entrepreneurs might want to be thinking. So I was going to sort of share some of the things in the book and, and uh, you know, thrown by you. And, you know, if, if, you know, this guy's done a lot of research. If you disagree, you know, you can, you can speak up at this point. I'll, okay. 
I'll be careful. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> so key key industries that he sees that that are going to be very very important, and 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 maybe we can talk a little about the implications for entrepreneurs. He talks about robotics and and from a manufacturing perspective, and particularly how uh, repetitive labor jobs have been on the decline will continue mm-hmm. to be on the decline as robotics becomes more and more important there. So. You know, if you're young and thinking of areas to get into, if you're thinking from an entrepreneurship perspective, robotics, good place to be. Well, we're certainly seeing it in the schools, uh, starting in the elementary school up through high school, and then in, certainly in the college when mm-hmm. they're really working with the young students. Of course, they're, they love it, yeah, yeah. and so it is the way of the world, I believe. Uh, he talks about unraveling genetic codes and how that can enhance healthcare medicine and help solve uh, potentially solve many medical problems that are out there so uh, when it comes into healthcare you know, obviously there there are careers like nursing and whatnot that I, I don't think will be replaced by robots you never know but uh, there are other ways that we can uh, be involved in, in medicine so genetic codes he talks a lot about computer coding and cybersecurity as areas that uh, will continue to be very, very significant as they go forward. Well, that's really interesting also, uh, like the robotics that you're talking about, because, again, we're working a lot with the uh, public school system, and coding is the rage, and working with uh, those students from the very young age so that they know how to do coding, because that's what everybody's going to have to know in the future for all types of things. And we're actually starting our own coding academy here in the fall. It's like you read the book. Have you read this book? I have not, but this is great. All right, well, and, uh, okay. the, the good thing about that, if I can add, add with coding and everything, is that um, the cost of entrepreneurship is relatively small or less if, um, if than if you go to a traditional industry where you have to put a lot of money in capital. Hmm. So when you code, you don't really have to spend that much money on capital and starting things and everything. So from that standpoint, that digital revolution aspect of it is just going to help more and more people be entrepreneurs. Well, the, some okay. of the people we're working with and are dri- helping us drive this, uh, we're saying the exact same thing. You can be coding from your house. You don't need to mm-hmm. have a lot of yep. uh, equipment costs like you would with a manufacturing operation. A final, final area that uh, Alec Ross talks about is data management and data analysis. Uh, which, you know, that's happening. It's going to be happening more and more as uh, we all have our digital footprints out there. Uh, there's so much data that uh, can be mined about us and and used, hopefully for good and not evil, uh, that it's out there and there are going to be a lot of opportunities in those areas as well. So and, Yeah, and, and especially when you think about the Internet of Things, right, and, and the big data, and now everything and anything has access to the Internet and, and wireless and Wi-Fi, whether that's your... Uh, fridge, whether that's, you know, I just had a baby, I, they, they sell socks that connect to the Wi-Fi and measure absolutely everything. So mm-hmm. in this case, data is coming from anywhere. So whoever can mine that and, and figure out what to do next with it is, is going to win. And as, a, as our astute listeners have probably noticed, our guest is here. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> Sorry, Cesar, guys. <laughs> that, no, I'm glad. I that's think really it fits in with some of his experience. Cesar Cesar Hernandez, who is the founder and owner of a uh, marketing brand development company called Media Mirror Strategy, uh, has joined us. And and I'm going to provide a more proper introduction uh, momentarily, but uh, just to finish up with um, Mr. Ross's 
book. He also talks about important skills for tomorrow, uh, you know, from a student perspective, but also from the adult learner perspective. But uh, uh, yeah, he he sort of declines to say here, you know, here's the the right answer. But just in terms of trends and some consensus and in interviews that he's had, he talks about the ability to think and act globally and multiculturally. Uh, as significant uh, skills that one will need to be successful in the future. And he encourages uh, the study of at least of, of more than one language, more than just your native language, uh, uh, as well as learning a technical or computer language if you're going to uh, be a competitor in the future. <laughs> so for some of us, it might be too late, Gary. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Adios, senor. That's right. So... Uh, and, uh, you know, which, you know, I'm not sure that is earth shattering, but just uh, further evidence of uh, things that we need to be sensitive to. And, and uh, if you're an entrepreneur out there thinking about starting something, might give you some, some food for thought and some direction to be thinking about going. Uh, and again, uh, the name of the book is The Industries of the Future. The author is Alec Ross. Uh, yeah, it, it's an, an interesting read. Two, th- two thumbs up from me. There you so, go. Anyway, so now I'd like to, to formally welcome our guest, who, and, and I think a lot of this is probably uh, in your wheelhouse, but to welcome Cesar Hernandez, who uh, uh, is a new father uh, for, uh, for approximately two weeks, a new father, so he's uh, operating on limited sleep, and uh, you know, if, if we have to rein him in, we will. Uh, but uh, Cesar has a very interesting background and experience. As, as I said, he started his own brand development firm here in Western North Carolina. He's lived in five different countries. He speaks four languages. Uh, so when it comes to uh, multicultural understanding. I think it, uh, he's certainly the expert in the room today. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> uh, before founding Medium Rare, Cesar was the director of strategic planning for Catch New York, an advertising agency in New York City. And he uh, worked on several successful brand strategy pro- projects and had clients such as Nike and One, Lowe's Hotels and Resorts, and more. Before working at Catch New York, Cesar spent five years as a strategist for Future Shift, which is a brand strategy consultancy in New York, uh, working with international companies in the United States, Europe, Latin America. Uh, so you you sort of you seem young, but it sounds so, like you've done a lot of doing a lot. Well, I will say that in this past few weeks, I've aged quite a bit well, for sure. We, we do understand that. Uh, the beauty of kids is they uh, they keep you young and age you at the same time. So, oh, absolutely. So, I'm, so I'm enjoy that. I'm hoping he grows quickly so he can retire me soon. Ah, uh, there you go. Okay. So, well, well, I mean, well, welcome, and 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 I'm not sure I did uh, total service to your your experience, but I mean, you know, tell us a little bit about your travels and. How did you how did you land in uh, in Hickory, North Carolina? Sure. Um, well, first and foremost, thank you for for having me. It's a it's a very proud moment for me to be a part of of, of things like this and and definitely be a part of your guys' group. And I'm very much looking forward to our discussion and, and future discussions as well. Um, I ended up in in North Carolina because of my wife, which I think is how every great story starts, right? <laughs> the um, smart story. Yes, the smart stories. Yes, As you know, say happy wife, happy life, and that's exactly. that's definitely true. Um, I mean, my, my father worked for Procter & Gamble for about 30 years or, or so. I was originally born in, in Madrid, Spain. And, and because of his work, um, I've had the, the uh, tremendous privilege of, having, of living in, in 
couple different countries um, in Spain, in Belgium, in Venezuela, and in the U.S., which has really allowed me um, to understand, A, the world of branding, having my dad worked at Procter & Gamble, and B, being able to understand and interpret different cultures and different buying behaviors. Um, I went to school at the University of Notre Dame, and then I moved to, to Spain, to Madrid, with a company called Interbrand, which is a worldwide branding um, agency. And then they sent me to New York, and I spent 10 years in New York at Interbrand and Future Shift, then in Catch New York. Uh, my wife is a physician. She, it's, it, we kind of wanted to start a family. It's kind of tough to start a family in New York, given that we lived in a 500-square-foot studio. And uh, because of that, we were thinking of moving down, moving somewhere. She's originally from the south um, in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. And we started looking at places, and we figured um, Charlotte was a good place. She got a pretty fantastic uh, job offer here in Hickory. We came to visit it. We really enjoyed the small town kind of look and feel and the people and, and the proximity to, to everything and, and the chance to be outside and um, close enough to a big city hub like Charlotte. And that's basically how we ended up here about almost a year ago. So well, We're glad that you're here. Yes, and, absolutely. And we had the opportunity to meet through work that you've been doing with uh, the Manufacturing Academy at our community college where we're working with local manufacturers to uh, encourage the workforce to to get into manufacturing and you did some really nice work for that and had the chance to meet you there and you know and and you know here we were talking about folks that are often thinking about starting businesses people that are in business and and they probably don't always know what it takes to build a brand and it's uh, a very i always assume it's a very time consuming and consent uh ex- can be an expensive process but when someone is, is thinking about uh, creating their own brand, what sort of things should they be thinking about? Absolutely. Um, you know, that's a fan- fantastic question. A lot of people have um, great ideas um, and very few actually materialize or actually go anywhere. So the question is, how do you get from having an idea to actually executing that idea? Um, I mean, there's a couple of things that you need before you even start thinking about that, right? I mean, first you need a, a, something that people want or need. It, it could be something that they've already identified that they want and they need or something that they had no idea they wanted, but once they see it, they can't get enough of it. Um, the other thing you, you, you need is you need to have a market for it. So, I mean, the way I say it is that I can have the world's best horse carriage, but nobody wants a horse carriage. So I better step up my game. So you need two, two things. Number one, something people want and need. And number two, you need a market for it. Um, and then the, the other thing I like to talk about when it comes to brand and branding is to take a step back and really truly kind of define what brand and branding is. And, and I just want to set the record clear straight for me. And for a lot of the people that are in this industry, a brand is not a logo. Um, a brand is not just some pretty colors, just some kind of language. It's, it's really much, much more. Um, it's, it's every internal and external interaction that a company, a product, or a service has with people, whether they are consumers, actual customers, potential customers, and the employees as well. Um, and, and, and all of that is manifested um, in the visual aspect of it, like a logo, in the name, in the communication pieces, and in the advertising. But really, brand and branding is a, co- is a combination of, of, of all of that. Um, and, once, and, and so once we have that established and we understand what the product and the service is and we know what the market is and who's going to buy it or who kind of needs it, you really need to, to tell your, your, your story. And this is your time to shine. And that's kind of where brand strategy comes in. It's, it's really a, a, a direction, a guidance for you to tell, to tell your story. Um, 
because a product or a service is not necessarily going to, to do it for you because there's too many of those out there. You really need to differentiate yourself, and that's where the story comes in. Um, you know, we look at Nike or, or we look at our, our Apple. Sure, they have products and services that they sell. Um, you know, Apple with computers, with the iPod, with the iPhone, and all the, the, that other those other products and services. And same with with Nike, they have shoes, they have gear, they have equipment, that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, if you look at their communications and their branding, they're really not selling those those products. Those are just the, the causation of what it is that they're selling. Nike, at the end of the day, the day sell, sells winning. They sell performance, always with the athlete's point of view. It just so happens that the way they, they, they get to the market is through these this, this products like their shoes. And same with, with Apple. I mean, at the end of the day, their brand, what they stand for and what they try to ultimately sell is this emotion of, of simplicity, of, of convenience, of smart design. And the manifestation of all of that is with their individual products and, and kind of services. But at the end of the day, it's really about picking what, what your story is. And that's, that's incredibly important when it comes to a small business um, is because you become the brand. You, you are that brand. You are that personification of a brand. There's a reason why big companies and big brands spend so much money to have celebrities and athletes endorse their products. And that's because they embody what the brand is supposed to be, what the brand is all about, what those values, that emotion, that personality is. When, it, when you're a small business, you, you can't get a LeBron James, for example. You can't get a Steph Curry. Um, you can't even get a Kim Kardashian. I don't know why you would, but you can't get that. Um, Depends what message you're trying to get across. Yes. That's right. So at the end of the day, you become that personification of the brand. And, and, and people are buying not just your products and services, but they're buying you. What you stand for, what your personality is, who you are, how you work, and kind of what you value. And ultimately, that's what, what, what brand strategy is and does for you and, and kind of what I try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you have that direction, then you are able to manifest that in the visual terms like the logo, in the verbal terms like the name and the way you communicate, in your advertising campaigns, and in all those different communication pieces. So, so, so when you work with somebody, do you help them go through the process of, of figuring out that identity? Do you think, did, they, did they know it and bring it to you, or do you sort of help them develop that identity and the ways to express it? Um, both. And, and I know that's a political answer, but, uh, you know, at the, end of this, at the end of the day, all that I can do is advice. It's not my company. It's not my product. It's not my service. Mm-hmm. So if it does not ring true to you, if it does not ring true to who you are and what you want it to be, then it's not going to work. Because mm-hmm. right. for, for a, a strategy for a brand to, to truly make it in the marketplace, it needs to be credible, it needs to be true, and it needs to be differentiated. I can't do all of that for you, so it needs to have input from from them. And a lot of times they have preconceived notions or ideas of how it is, but that's why the process involves a lot more. It's a little bit more intricate than just you asking. They have to buy into it if they don't. Yes. It's like anything. They have to have the passion for exactly. it. Exactly. Because I, I won't, you know, I, I can't do, and, and advertising agencies cannot do absolutely everything for you if you don't really believe right. in what it is that you're selling and who you are. I, I suspect some will try and be yes. happy to bill you for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if that happens, stay away from those advertising agencies. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah. So, so in terms of how how a small business should be analyzing their market and and, and doing any research type work as they're doing this, how do you, do you help folks with that, or do you have suggestions for how people should be analyzing their market as they assess what their uh, brand message should be? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and there's one thing I can't emphasize enough. Research is, is knowledge and knowledge is power. 
and and you really need all of that so you can make an informed decision and so you can minimize your risk and 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 actually go out there to the market with the, the best of your abilities and your knowledge. When it comes to me and my experience and my 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 company, we do all that. We can do market research and everything I do, everything my company does, and everything I've always done throughout my career is research based, mm-hmm. because we're in the in, in a brand. We're in the world of intangibles. And we're in the world of, of unknowns, and it's tough to put a monetary value to to like a brand. Like, for example, Donald Trump just said the value of his brand is like three billion dollars. How do you actually quantify right. that? I mean, some people there are agencies that try to quantify the value of brands, but it's kind of intangible. In uh, yes, he's, he's known for doing much analysis on yeah. these things, so I'm yeah. sure he came up with, with a lot of research, lag algorithms, a lot of research. And 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 when it comes to to market research, there's there's a lot of different research that that you can do. I mean. Um, the way I typically do research, whether it's for a brand strategy project or whether it's for an advertising um, campaign or whether it's to figure out a sales strategy, you really need to look at a, at a couple different things. You need to, to do some internal research to really understand what the company is all about, what the product or service is all about, what the competitive advantages are, what they have that no one else has, whether that's some piece of intellectual property, whether that's in the branding or, or whatever it may be, some, you definitely have something that's kind of different. You also need to look at, at the market, at your competitors. Um, what do they offer? What do they have? What makes them different? What is their branding like? How do they speak about themselves? Who are they going after? Um, you need to look at your consumers. Who is your consumer? Where are they consuming content? Where are they getting the stuff that they're not getting from you? Where are they getting it? What is it that they want? Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to look at also cultural aspects of it because they influence decisions quite a bit. So what's going on in today's culture for your consumers that you can use for you as well, that you can use in your communications, in your branding, in your in your advertising strategies? Um, and then I always like to look at other companies that are out of category because there's a lot that we can learn from them and, and apply those learnings into it. So it's kind of like a, a five-prong approach um, to try to, to, to help you figure out kind of where to go and, and what to use with, with your research. Because at the end of the day, we're in the world of, of opinions. And, and uh, if you can do fact-based opinions, then that's going to be much better than if you're just saying, this is what I think it is because. Hey, you know, for, for, for a smaller business, doesn't have necessarily a big budget. You know, to, to me, there's... Yeah, you have your secondary type research out there that that uh, you know you can find online. Uh, you know, go to your local research librarian; they might be able to assist you in, in, in figuring that sort of stuff out. But you always you know, doing the primary research and talking to your customers. And you, know, you, I think you made a very important point early on when you talked about you got to have a market. You have to have people out there that want to buy want to buy your product and the more that you talk with them the smarter you'll get and and better understand what they like about your product uh, where their needs might be that are being are not being met at this point in time so any any suggestions for for small businesses in terms of how to cost effectively approach doing some of that direct research and 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 working with the, their customers and yeah. and trying to get their Get some unbiased opinions. Yep. Um, the, the great thing about, about research and everything is that it's scalable. So it works if you have a $2,000 budget. It works if you have a $100,000 budget. It's just a matter of what your confidence level is when it comes to this and how deep and far you want to go. And also the types of research that you want to do. So I don't want every, anybody to think that you know in order for me to, to be able to do all the things that we're talking about here today, you need to spend 
two hundred thousand dollars. That that's not true, and, and whoever tries to sell you that is is also wrong. Um, so everything is scalable, and and you can definitely do secondary research. Um, there's there's Google, for example. There's the uh, other companies' websites that you can take a look at. You can take a look at their social medias to to see kind of what their positioning is, what, what their perception is, how people are talking about them, that kind of stuff. Um, you can and you can certainly do primary research. And there's a lot of free tools that you can use so that you don't have to do the coding yourself. Um, Google has the, the the surveys that you can do with them. All you need is kind of a database. If you don't have a database, you can always buy samples. And then depending on the market that you are, you want and the kind of people you want those costs can go up or down. But one thing that you can start doing if you're a small business is gather people's information. When they come to your store, they come use your services, um, have them fill out what their email address is, their phone number is, Mm -hmm. then send them a questionnaire, start having a database there already with you so that then you can extend that communication and and, and that period and you can use research for a lot of different purposes. Um, Just to give you an example, I had a a client recently who... um, is in the automotive category industry, and they wanted to get, they, they wanted to spend money on research that could give them awareness levels in a very particular um, out there kind of market. So in order to do that, that was going to cost twenty thousand dollars, and that's a cost that not a lot of people are willing to take, especially when you're a small company. Sure. So a way to ameliorate those kind of costs is okay. What else can we do with that research, right? So then we used the fact that we're going to do use research and buy that sample size to get not just awareness levels, but to get information on market share um, a year ago, three years ago, five years ago, just to see where that kind of has been going. We used it to see what qualities people are looking for when it comes to auto replace and that kind of stuff. We used it for a lot of different things. So it's what can you do to maximize your marketing dollars and your dollar amounts? And, and for research, there's so much stuff that you can do with that research that's not just brand positioning or advertising related. You can use it for lead generation, for generating content, for a lot of different things. So I would venture them to, to, to think about, you know, research is not just a cost just for research, but it's something that you can use for a lot of different things. Hi, I'm Alan. I'm Chris. And we're the co-host of Foot Candle Films, a movie review and film discussion show here on TheMesh.TV. Each episode, we talk about some new movies, cover some film news, and have some recommendations. And trust us, we're just as likely to talk about the latest Jim Jarmusch film as we are the newest Transformers installment. Hold on, don't get too crazy. Uh, well, okay, maybe not that bad. But you can find our show and all our episodes on TheMesh.TV. Plus, you can subscribe to get new episodes delivered right to your computer or mobile device. We'll see you in the ticket line. So, so you, 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 as, as you develop this uh, pool of information and, and you know, knowledge and, and hopefully power, <laughs> um, uh, ultimately, you know, when you were talking about brand, it, you know, brand is really all the connections that a customer is making uh, uh, or, or a business is making with its customers, and you know, you know, whether that be uh, packaging, whether it be advertising, whether it be logos, you, you know, whatever. All those touches are, are, are part of a brand. You know, as you're working with folks to to get their messaging out there, um, you know, how, how are you prioritizing what companies should be doing? You know, it, it's nice to say we should be doing everything, but we have we all have some sort of budget out there, whether you're a small business or, or a big business. And um, you know, are, are there some go-to strategies that you look at first, or, or is it strictly based on? 
the situation that companies are in, the markets they're in, or, or some combination? You know, what's what's hot? What's not? Yeah, it's a little bit of combination of, of, of everything, right? I mean, and if you think about content and, and messaging, it's really about identifying what, what people care about, what they want to hear, and 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 where they're doing it, and then going ahead and, and providing that. And and when it comes to messaging and content, there's there's only th- basically three main goals when it comes to it, right? It's one's education, so it's it's allowing people to understand what it is that that you sell or what's out there or or, or, or that kind of stuff. There is engagement, which leads to need, lead nurturing, which is having people start a conversation and, and and start interacting with you and 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 getting a feel to know about your product, service, or your company or your brand. And then there's lead generation and conversion, which is taking that step further. And, and actually getting somebody to pay for whatever goods and services you have. And then the last one, of, of course, is the follow-up, right? Is, is, mm-hmm. Let's keep this, this, this going so that they can come back to you and they can be happy and they can actually become um, evangelists for, for your brand, where they're not just buying your brand, but they're also telling absolutely right. everybody and anybody um, that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way you go a- about this, it's, it's really all about what tactics and communications you're going to use to use with them. And there isn't... I can't just go to somebody and be like, you need to do social media or you need to do digital or you need to do this kind of stuff because there's a lot of things that come into play. So big brands Every are going to have exactly, a ton of budget where they can you know, spend $2 million on a Super Bowl ad. Yeah, we, we told everybody on this podcast that you're going to give us the three magical answers yes, to their marketing. Yes. And so you're, you're really going to be disappointing our listeners here. Well, yeah. here's, here's the, Everybody should do a Super Bowl ad. Very, very true. <laughs> so here's my, my biggest advice for this is the great thing, uh, and we talked about this a little bit with, with the book, um, the, the great thing about the digital world is that it, it allows you to fail fast and cheap, mm-hmm. to, put it, to put it one way, right? So, I mean, the, the digital realm is cheaper uh, than the traditional realms of advertising. So if you're budget conscious and everything, I would start looking about the digital things. Um, the second great thing about the digital is that everything has data. Everything is measurable. Absolutely everything is measurable. So whatever it is that you do, whether that's advertising on a homepage on ESPN or on One Spectator or wherever it is that you're putting banner ads in or Facebook, if you're doing Facebook, Facebook advertising or, or social media advertising, whatever it is, all of that is measurable. Mm-hmm. So, and all of that is right away. So you can try different tactics and different digital means and start seeing how they're doing, change some language around so that you, you're really doing. You're really trying to get to the right combination fast and cheaply, and you're not spending too much money when it when, when it comes to 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 these kinds of things. Um, you know, the the other thing is that when you look from a cultural standpoint, people love to talk to each other. You know, web, websites such as Yelp, TripAdvisor, social uh, social media like Facebook and Instagram and all these things, people are really having conversations out there, and and they're using user user generated content and they're trusting that kind of content. So if you can use that kind of pool, that database to pull these things for you and look at partnerships in the digital means, um, then that's going to work. You know, I had a, a client in the financial services industry that are looking to get to 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 reach high net worth individuals. So you know, who can you partner with? That are that are gathering already these people. So you know, you, we looked at Forbes, for example. We looked at the Economist, for example, and they are all these brands and publicists, publicists and digital worlds are more than willing to um, get in partnerships with different brands so that you can start using their pool and their people that they already have there. So if you can use existing databases, you don't have to create your own. You don't have to buy your own, and so you start saving a little bit of money. Again, with the digital realm, everybody's going on the internet, everybody's checking you out. The world is more mobile than it's ever been before, and it's just going to keep going. We're in a digital age. The Gen Zers that are coming here, 
they've never had to deal with VHS, they've never had to deal with cassette tapes, they've never had to deal with absolutely anything analog. So everything's digital, everything's going to keep going digital. So you need to have a strong digital presence. So, so is, is traditional media dead? Is it uh, dying or on, on live support or is there a role for that in someone's marketing mix? Uh, there's definitely a role for that in somebody's marketing mix, but you need to have uh, the dollars, the dollars to do, to do those. Think about, I mean, at the end of the day, these are all communication vehicles for you to get your message across. Um, so depending on, on who you are, you know, if your target market is, you know, 85 year old people that live in Florida, then I would venture to say they're probably not that well versed when it comes to the digital world. So you're going to have to get digital <laughs> traditional publications in there. Sorry, Dad. So, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> So it's those kind of things. I mean, there's there's definitely things that, that I think are must-have that you need to do. A, a good website that's SEO, optimized for SEO, that is responsive, uh, some search engine marketing. Um, you definitely need to have those kinds of things over there because people are looking for you online or people are trying to find you online. So you need to be able to encourage that organic search that, that goes in there, that native search that's there. Well, I, I, you know, and no doubt that's that's how... Things have shifted, continue to shift, and, and uh, uh, you know, I, I guess I always take a step back and try to think through, you know, as you were talking about trying to understand your customer, where they get their information, and, and trying to make sure that your message is there. But more and more, uh, you know, Facebook has become so ubiquitous, and, and some of these other social media sites are, are, are getting so much traffic, uh, it's difficult to ignore Particularly, uh, it's it's a very economical option when you're when you're looking at your your marketing dollar out there. Yep, but the 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 one caveat I have with uh, social media and advertising in social media is that it's great to get likes, to get followers, to get a lot of the stuff, but you need to turn that into dollar signs. Mm-hmm. You need to turn that into conversion. So mm-hmm. you start spending a lot of money, and your social media base grows, but you're not getting any actual sales sales out of it or, or that kind of stuff then you then you should really start looking at um, doing other things that can be a little bit more, more effective to actually turn your your marketing dollars into ROI into into actual sales mm-hmm. um, and that and that's something that not everybody has mastered yet and and I and, and it's it's a learning process and you know Facebook and social media is relatively very new as well um, I mean, right now, one thing that's been happening that's very interesting is that Pinterest has started to allow shopping and buying in their Pinterest pages. So brands can tag their pictures and their products that are there with a shop now kind of option. So that's a way for you to not just get likes, to not just get page views, to just get this kind of stuff, but also to lead them into your own website to, lead, to actually lead conversion. Um, so keep looking at ways. If, you're, if you are going to use social media from a communication and advertising standpoint, keep looking at ways and turning those marketing dollars into actual sales. Cesar, you're, you're, so you started your own business, which is still relatively young and new. And as, as you've gotten started, uh, yeah, any, any lessons that you've got that uh, you can share with our listeners who are thinking about starting their own business or might have recently started their own business? What, what sort of trials and tribulations do you have out there? Absolutely. I mean, the, the first thing I, I will say is that it's, it's not a joke. It's very challenging. Um, I mean, it... it, it it's good to be afraid and you're going to be very afraid from, from time to time. And, and there's some times where you have a lot of work and you don't know what to do with your time. There's other times where you really have, have nothing. I mean, my, my agency is about um, nine months old, 10 months old. And, you know, there's been three months where I've had so much work in three months. I didn't know what to do with myself. And then I've, I've gone a month without having anything to do and twiddling my thumbs and saying, oh, my God, is this it? I'm going to have to close shop. 
Um, but it's it, it's kind of it's kind of the way the way it goes. So don't don't despair. Keep keep working at it and, and keep keep going at it. Um, you know, another one is is you know find that support system and and your family is going to be very important. I mean, my my wife is the one that that drove me to start my own my own agency. I mean, otherwise I was just going to find a job. And and I hate saying this, but I think it's much easier to find a job than it is to start your own company. Um, and I don't want to say anybody can can find a job, but yeah. you know, jobs are out there where you just have to do mm-hmm. the, the 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 stuff that you're good at. Um, when you have your own business, you have to wear many hats, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to do all the admin stuff. I've had to do accounting, which I haven't done since I went to business school, and that's been a challenge. You have to do the, all the customer service as well. You have to. Um, do all the lead generation or do all the new business and you also have to do the work that people are paying you for um, so you're going to have to learn to multitask to juggle a lot of things and, and to learn some things that you maybe not are not comfortable with or find the people that can help you exactly which brings me to my, my next point which you have to start trusting people I mean people are experts at, at, at things for a reason you know I, I'm, that's a great compliment because yeah. when you're out there on your own you want to make sure it gets done right but you're yeah, with absolutely. that comes yeah. Who do I trust? How do I turn that over to them? And and you know you're not going to hit it in the nail 100 percent of the right. time. It's it's a trial and error thing. But you know I'm not a, a graphic designer, um, so I don't attempt or, or to, to be one. You know I, I so that's why I hire people to, to help me out with those with those kinds of things. I have an accountant as well to help me out with things just because I'm not a CPA. Right. And exactly. I I can't claim to be a CPA. So you have to trust other people's expertise and and, and know that. Uh, what they're doing, they're doing it in your best interest as, as well, and, and that's why they have it. Um, you know, don't don't be afraid to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You're 100% going to make mistakes, and and you're going to think about it late at night and turn, toss and turn, and not be able to go to sleep. You're going to be like, oh, I could have done this a different way, or I could have done this differently. But um, at the end of the day, you just you learn from that. Use those as learning experiences so that you can get better. Um, you know, you're not the smartest person in the room. Um, you're, you're not going to know absolutely anything. All you can do is keep growing and keep learning. And the only way to do that is by making mistakes. Well, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you don't make the same mistake. But you learn from that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and you know, surround yourself with with smart people. You know, get help. Um, oh, oh, I'm never the smartest person in. In, in the room, and you can tell today there's two smarter people than I am. Where are um, they? <laughs> today. <laughs> um, I thought there were only three of us here. <laughs> but that's very true. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, you have to you have to broaden your skill set, and you and you always have to be learning. You know, my my dad once said, "If you're done learning, it's time to move on." Um, so you always have to be broadening your perspective, broadening your horizon, so that you can just get better at what it is that you do. Um, and lastly, and I promise this is the last thing I have to say about this advice, is just because you should, you, you can, doesn't mean you should. Um, a lot of people, you, you may have a great idea, you know, a lot of people can start their own business, it doesn't mean that you can. And the best advice I can give on this is Nickelback, you know. They are a terrible group, and just because they can make music doesn't mean that they should be making music. And I apologize profusely to all of you that like Nickelback. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's not a decision. One of our top listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have a lot of they were with them. Yeah, they absolutely. were absolutely. But starting your own business is not a decision to be taken lightly because there's a pretty big uh, emotional financial um, commitment mm-hmm. in, in place. So before you you jump the ship, definitely make a uh, be sure that that this is what you want to do. That this is what you have to do because it's it's going to take a lot a lot out of, out of you. A lot of stores have to be in alignment to make it work. So uh, yes. yeah, having having the runway. Uh, to give yourself enough time to get it going, yeah, very important. So, and we're still not sure if mine are aligned. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so you know, just to sum up, 
happy wife, happy life. Absolutely. Buy Super Bowl ads. <laughs> Nickelback stinks. And, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, that'll get me through the day. All right. Yeah, plus a lot of good information about marketing. So anyway, we, Cesar, we very much thank you for joining us and and uh, for shaking through your your uh, sleep uh, deprivation uh, situation and and uh, hope you know wish the best for you and your new family and and uh, um, it'll be a great experience. And, you know, someday you you know you'll, someday you'll say that. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> So, if people want to find you or, or your company, where can they where can they find you on the internet, or what's your best contact information? They can go to mediumrarestrategy.com, or they can just uh, send me an email at cesar c e s a r at mediumrarestrategy.com. Mediumrarestrategy.com. Okay. Well, we we appreciate you joining us today and 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 sharing your experience and your marketing uh, skills and. And uh, you know, I think I think uh, you're you're sort of at the top of the class here today. So thank you for joining us. So. I appreciate it. It's been a, a lot of fun and a pleasure talking to, with you guys. All right, we're going to wind up with our our small businesses of the month. And uh, Gary, what uh, what small business are you going to share with us uh, today? Well, thanks, Jeff. My small business of the month is the Extreme Sandbox, which is a family owned and operated business started a couple years ago. The founder, Randy Stinger is a family man with three young boys. Many years ago, while driving by a construction site, one of his boys said, Dad, wouldn't it be fun to play on those big trucks? And that's where the idea was born. Contrary to what most people would think, Randy had no background in construction or operating any heavy equipment, unless you count a lawnmower. (laughs) Randy was a corporate guy who daydreamed about playing on these big toys also, like his son. But after the idea came from his kids, he decided to try to make it a reality. From there, he began looking for a proper site, and started working with governmental entities. And, of course, we know that can take some time and be a little bit harder than you might think. He actually opened the business in Hastings, Minnesota, and with their strong community focus, they partnered with Ziegler Cat and other construction people to help local high schools with tours for folks considering the construction careers. They wanted to have fun but also wanted to teach them about the industry. As the business has grown, the number of people working with them, their fleet of trucks, they go from big trucks, bulldozers, to fire trucks. Pretty kind of interesting business. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their focus has always been on customers, like we were talking about just uh, a few minutes ago, and uh, they've done extremely well. In the winter of 2014, they had to build a new facility for equipment storage and a state-of-the-art office facility so they could have meetings that would take them up to as many as 100 people. After perfecting the sandbox concept over the first three years, it's gone nationally. They've been offered a lot of franchise opportunities and partnerships, mm-hmm. and they've settled with Tanglewood Resorts in Pottsboro, Texas, to open up their second location. I'm not sure how you get from Minnesota to Texas, but they did, and they're going to be opening that location this spring. And oh, by the way, of course, you know where I got it. One of the sharks from Shark Tank Shark <laughs> is an investor. Okay. They took a bite. Very good. All right. Interesting. My small business of the month uh, was recommended by a listener. So uh, uh, so thank you to Peter Weiss in New York City, who sent me a recommendation on a company called the Ajiri Tea Company, which was started by a mother and two daughters who had spent some time doing volunteer work in Kenya. They're, they, were, they were on a volunteer basis. Their program funds were cut back uh, during the recession in 2008. 
but they had decided they wanted to make a difference and start a company that would provide employment opportunities and funding for education in Kenya. So uh, they looked around, discovered, or, or knew that tea was a major industry in Western Kenya. So they set off to start a tea company. And they wanted to make it uh, the sort of thing what, uh, that would provide employment to people. So uh, they, they got women in the area to, to work in the company. And the women still hand-make labels uh, for the tea boxes and twines that they use when the, the boxes go out to the public. They also wanted to do something for education because they felt that would be a sustainable investment. So now 100% of the net profits go back to Kenya to pay for school fees for all orphans. So the Ajiri Tea Company is now sponsoring 29 orphans in school, and they're employing four different women's groups. Uh, They've also expanded to include Kenyan coffee, which this week I went online and purchased some from them. So I'll, I'll... Report back on, cool. on on Kenyan coffee. I'm more of a coffee guy than a tea guy. So anyway, uh, so anyway, if you want to learn more about the Ajiri Tea Company, you can go to Ajiri Tea. That's A J I R I T E A Ajiri Tea dot com and learn about the company. You can buy some tea. You can buy some coffee, and just and I, I know you're dying to ask Gary. Do you know what Ajiri means in Swahili? I do want to know, you, but you don't know. But I, I, unfortunately, that's not one of the languages I, 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 that I don't, I'm going to learn. And I'm, I'm betting that's not one of the four languages that says our nose, Swahili. It's not, unfortunately. Okay, I would sorry. have been impressed, though. All right. Well, so in, in Swahili, Ajiri means to employ. So Ajiri. So Ajiri. So that's what it means. That's so that's your, one of the things we want to help people. That's right. So anyway, so anyway, that's my, you know, check them out. Those are our small businesses of the month. Uh if you've got a suggestion, you can contact us, uh, eexchange at themesh.tv. And if we use your suggestion, you're going to get a little prize pack, as Mr. Weiss will. Uh, so send us your ideas for Small Business of the Month, and if we use it, we'll, we'll, we'll send you our prize pack. I want to thank uh, Cesar Hernandez and Media Mirror Strategy for joining us today. Thanks for being our guest. Thank you. Thanks to The Mesh. You can download us at themesh.tv or you can subscribe at the iTunes store. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll look forward to talking to you again next month. That was a fun day. All right. Enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Take care. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.